Let's start with some tough love, all right? You two suck. Say my name. That's what the kids call Prissy guy with the mustache. You're listening to Inside the Gillivers, talking all things Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. Brought to you by Stewart Travel Guitars. See the incredible stowaway travel guitar at stewartguitars.com. Also brought to you by Idea Bench, makers of hot rod inspired pedal boards and pedal board accessories at ideabench.com. Microphones for Inside the Gillivers are brought to you by Road Microphones. Now, please welcome your host, Eric Bra. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us for episode 22 of Inside the Gilliverse, where we talk all things Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. My name is Eric Broadbent, and it comes with extreme pleasure to welcome back writer, producer, director, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, showrunner, Better Call Saul, and the founding father of Saul Goodman, Mr. Peter Gould. Peter, welcome back. It is an extreme pleasure to have you. How are you? I'm fine. I can't believe you did 22 episodes. That's amazing. I know. I know. I, it's, it's freaky. I don't like to look at the numbers. You know, you just, I'd like you, right? I'm sure when you're doing your things, you just keep going. Just don't look back. Keep going. That's what we're doing. And it's been an absolute pleasure to work with one of your colleagues, uh, Tom Schnauz. I love him to death. Tom's mom watches every week. Vince's mom watches. Really? It's, yes. It, it, oh, it's fantastic. We just, I love this. And it's your fault, as I told you. So if, if people love the show, thank Peter. And if they hate the show, you can thank Peter as well, too. But it's, your, it's all your deal. When you were here last time, you mentioned this word, Gilliverse. And <laughs> here we are. And so I thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I'll still try to pay you back somehow. We'll work out some kind of payment plan on the uh, royalties. I, yeah, we'll, we'll work, work it out. I'm just so excited that uh, Tom and Vince's moms are watching because. They are two special people. I haven't met Tom's mom, but I've met I've Vince's mom, and she is uh, one cool lady. So I hope I hope you are watching. <laughs> both, hello to both of you for sure. That's fantastic. Well, we have a, a bunch of great questions coming in here. Um, I've got two of our, our member, um, our YouTube channel member questions coming up in just a moment. But I'm just going to I'm going to preface that by asking a question, which is echoed by two a couple of them. I'm gonna, it's basically a two word statement, which also will become a question. And uh, I'll, I'll just say it up right now. Uh, President Obama. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. That's, I mean, all I can say is, is that man has great taste. Uh, I, you know, I think all of us, all of us were uh, uh, thrilled and excited that he, he named us as, uh, I guess, one of his favorite shows. And it, we were first, I will point out, we were first on the list and it wasn't alphabetical. So yes. that I don't take from that what you will. Uh, but, but uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's really special because uh, it's a wonderful thing to think that he's, he's watching. Isn't that something? I mean, I, I love the man myself. I really do. I, re, I greatly admire him. Um, but to, to see that, and I remember seeing one of Ray's tweets, she's like, uh, excuse me, Mr. Obama, do we need to have a call? <laughs> it was great. You know, just, uh, wow. You know, like, and, and another show I love as well, too, The Boys. I watch that uh, a lot. You know, I really enjoyed that one. My son and I binge watched it. You know, they got some uh, props as well, too, and a couple other programs. I, I totally forget the others. And honestly, I'm not trying to show uh, throw shade at those ones. I don't remember. But the two shows I love uh, a lot, Better Call Saul and The Boys, that was fantastic. So I want to also give credit where credit is due as well, too, because 
our, our friends uh, sent in some questions as well. So Karina also wanted to ask that same question, like, what do you think about that? And um, this is something on a little bit more delicate note, um, uh, a sad note, but a good note. We're going to send some positive vibes. Uh, it's Saul Goodman Twitter account. We're good friends with him over there. He's home with COVID um, oh. and um, recuperating and, and doing relatively well. The Gilvers family is sending him some great love. Um, but uh, he also wanted to ask about that as well, too, with the nod to, uh, you know, fantastic writing and uh, television from from President Obama, Barack Obama. Um, we can maybe all wish uh, it's Saul Goodman on Twitter, uh, you know, a speedy recovery. Oh, please. Yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that. It's, it means I mean, it means a lot that he, he tweets so much. Yes. I don't know him. But he, I don't know him, but I know him. Yeah, exactly, I, right? It's, it's, it's so, it's, it's so nice. It's so nice to have a, such a, it's a great, it's a great account to follow if you like the show. I agree hundred percent. Yeah. And, and, and the Gilliver's family uh, loves him. And he told me tonight, he said uh, that all the positive vibes that we're all sending him um, is, is helping greatly. So I'm, I'm a, I'm a firm believer of that. You know, like I, sometimes I say I can will away a cold. It sounds silly. But, you know, positive energy can overcome some things. Now, of course, sometimes with a, a pandemic and, and things like that, well, it's a little harder, but we'll still try, right? Yeah. I mean, look, good thoughts, good vibes don't hurt anything, and, and they can only help. So That's right. That's get, right. Get, get better fast. It's all good, and we need you. Yes, we do. Now, here is a question from one of our members and friends. And uh, uh, Lori, I, I swear to goodness, uh, she is... Um, she could she could take the role of uh, of the female Mike Ehrmantraut. She's a private eye, and she I mean she surprised some of our guests. She she threw um, Michael Slovis for a loop a couple of weeks back, you know, talking about playing uh, fiddle and guitar and things like that, where not a lot of people knew about. So here's a two part question from her. She says, uh, part one, what was the inspiration behind Dirty Little Secrets, and two, uh, I read that you were kicked out of second grade. Is that true? Uh, this. Yes. Uh, some of these things are true. Uh, I'll do second grade first. I was, my, my father and my uncle both went to a very, very progressive school in lower Manhattan called uh, Little Red Schoolhouse, which is on Bleecker Street in New York. Uh, it's a very famous school. And uh, I, I was uh, apparently uh, difficult for them to handle. Probably today, to be honest with you, in another generation, I would have been given Ritalin for better or for worse. Uh, instead, instead they just escort, they just gently asked that I be sent to a different school. So I was in fact kicked out and it was probably the most, that was the most popular I've ever been as a person. Uh, Cause uh, people, the other kids loved me for misbehaving. Uh, I was the bad, I was the bad boy. Uh, the school, they made a decision that I, I don't know that I, as a parent, I don't think I would do this, but there was a, a lunchroom for all the uh, little kids. And we were all, you know, I bet must have been first. It was probably first grade, actually. The little kids all sat at a long table. And I caused so much difficulty that they put me at a big round table that the high school kids got to sit at. And I could invite two friends. And the other kids would beg for me to pick them. So somehow all the messages that I was getting at that point were all upside down. Uh, but Little Red School has good school. And uh, both my father and my uncle went there into the uh, into the high school, Elizabeth Irwin, and uh, I got kicked out and didn't go, <laughs> did not go to Elizabeth Irwin. So there you go. That's fantastic. Look at you now. Oh, Dirty Little Secrets. Dirty Little Secrets is, is my, was my student film at USC. Uh, in fact, I was just thinking about it the other day. 
but that's a movie. It's about a man. It's a, it sounds dirty. It's not really. Uh, it's about a man who uh, a young man who works uh, played by a wonderful actor named Stephen Mimmel, who works at a uh, department store. And he's got a secret, which is he has a, uh, uh, a foot fetish. And he, he, he's uh, sent to work in the women's shoe department with uh, uh, shattering results for both the department store, him and everyone around him. And it's a fun movie. And probably if I were going to say there was an inspiration, it's probably uh, a combination of uh, Preston Sturges and Louis Bunuel. So I, I, maybe, maybe a little bit of uh, Bob Zemeckis thrown in there, too. Okay. So that was sort of, those were the inspirations behind that. And uh, I just found out that USC still has a print of this movie. And I, I want to see if I can get, get to look at it because uh, it was a really good looking picture. A lot of very talented people worked on it. Isn't that cool? That'd be great. I hope you can. I really hope you can. Awesome. Well, Lori has the, the great questions for sure. She's always got these deep dive questions and I didn't, yeah. I heard she is that, a private eye. There's no question. I know. Right. That's right. Maybe. Uh, yeah. If she can, she can be a consultant for, for Mike's rules uh, for sure. Now here, uh, Saul Goodman on Twitter, just a comment. And Good he question. said, uh, let me see what I, I just missed it. Uh, says, Oh, thank you. I'm blown away. So everyone is, uh, he's very appreciative of all the love for sure. And there is a, Super chat question from Shawshank coming up here in a second. I'm going to ask his in just a second, but Karina had a question. Uh, she says, Stephen King has been a fan of Breaking Bad from day one. I know you're a fan of King's books as well as Vince. Would you ever consider adapting or developing a King project for TV if the opportunity presented itself? Oh, yeah. I mean, ab absolutely. I think Stephen King is uh, Stephen King's fantastic writer. He's uh, he's uh, he's he's got a. What's interesting, what's in, he has a way of getting under under your skin. I don't mean in a, just, in, it's one thing to talk about horror or fear, but mm -hmm. he gets under uh, under the skin of people in a way that I, I, very few writers do. And uh, I, th I think he's he's a remarkable talent. And, uh, you know, if, if, if the right project presented itself, of course, I'm not going to say no to a Stephen King project. But I'd have to believe that I, I could do something uh, worthwhile with it. I mean, that's because the, the last thing you want, he's written so much. I mean, he man is incredibly prolific and, and there've been so many adaptations and, and they're, they've just, you know, they from the sublime to the ridiculous mm -hmm. and some that have been great and some that have not been so great. And I, I would uh, definitely only do it if I had thought we had a chance of doing uh, a great one that was worthy uh, worthy of his work and, and, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully was able to translate it into the new medium, but he is, he is great. He is, he is a fantastic writer. He is. And we're going to talk about the creation and the birth of uh, better call Saul in a little bit as well too. But the same thing, you know, if you guys didn't think you guys and girls in the, in the, in the writer's room didn't think that you could do this justice, you would have never approached a spinoff show, right? You know, that's the thing It's you, you have to believe in it. You have to make sure you can, you can do it justice. We hope. We hope. I would say that Vince Vince was convinced absolutely that we could do it. He seemed to be. Yeah. I think he may have had more doubts that he didn't show. Uh, I, I was I was just nervous as hell. I have mentioned this before, so. Uh, but uh, I'm very happy with the way it worked out so far. That's I know. Me too. Me too. And all of us are for sure. Now here's a question. Then uh, super chat from Shashank says a uh, question to Peter. Do you believe the characters in breaking in the breaking bad universe are victims of their circumstances or results of their choices? That's a good. one. he's asked a few of our guests that as well, too. That's a very good question. You know, that's a, that's a great question. I think, I think two things, I think if, in the final result, it's for the viewers to decide really, 
but as a, as a writer, um, I'm more interested in people who create their own circumstances. I, I think for, for the, that's been the, the model of both shows is that um, the characters make their own fates through their choices. And we think about that a lot. Uh, be, but the truth is, you know, there's a lot of people who, uh, who get lung cancer who don't do something crazy and cook meth. And there are a lot of people who've had uh, uh, tough older brothers uh, who didn't become Jim, Slippin' Jimmy or, mm-hmm. or Saul Goodman. Uh, so I, I think I, if you were to ask me, you put a gun to my head, uh, so to speak, I, yeah. I would say that they are, they, um, they, they've made their own worlds. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's not to say that anything in real life, there are people who are absolutely victims of circumstance, mm-hmm. but in, in drama, uh, at least the way we've been approaching it, and maybe it's not the only way to do it. Uh, we're, we're saying that these people, these folks are um, all really the authors of their own, their own problems. Ultimately. I, I agree. I think that's a very good answer. I, I really do. Um, you know, these choices, I mean, the bad choice road, but I mean, that's a perfect analogy of the entire set of characters on, on the entire Gilliverse, right? It's, it's, you know, this is a great, this is a fantastic perceptive question, I have to say, because this is, we talk about this all the time. We talk about this all the time. Would Jimmy have become, you know, if, if, if uh, Chuck had behaved differently, would Jimmy have done this with that? And in fact, you know, as we're getting to the end of the series, um, it's, you know, sometimes the characters are asking these questions too. It's not just us. That's right. That's right. Before I go into another really good question, something I want to just mention too, because I will forget, and I certainly don't want to do injustice to these people. Uh, some of the artwork, the, the talent in the Gilliverse family here, uh, as I wrote down several names because I don't want to forget them all. Mrs. Wexler, she does some great animation. She did a good one of you today, a good drawing. I got the, the, the pandemic beard going on. Um, Arctic Sakai did one that the the Salamanca brothers, uh, Daniel and, and Lewis, just loved. Uh, Marion Art. But today, uh, Rugava, if I'm pronouncing his name right, Rugava uh, Krishna sent you sent uh, that one through. It was a, a sketch of you, and I wanted to tell him I wanted to tell him that we're arranging to get it to you. So oh. so I'm, I've got the details. I've got your I've got your details, and I'm gonna have him. Uh, send that to you so you're going to get the original so thank you to all these people out there that continue to share the love with these artistic talents that you have we're, we're very, all very blessed you know that's i that is all that's one of the it's one of the ultimate thrills is to see that that these characters in the show mean enough to people that they create their own artwork base and there's so much talent out there we have in the office I was just at the office. I don't go in very often. I'm sad to say, but uh, I was just in the office today and we have these boards that fill, fill walls and they're filled with uh, reproductions of fan art, hundreds and hundreds of pieces. And you could just stand there all day and look at them. I think that I might've posted once a picture of uh, Jonathan Banks in front of one of the walls. Um, You know, there's, there's, we, we love, love fan art and, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say anything premature, but there, we're we're hoping that there's something more that we can do. There's some more life that we can give to to some of the fan art uh, in the future. Nice, nice, fantastic. I'm going to jump to a really awesome question from uh, from Arabella in just a second. But Lisa Love sent a super chat, and she says, uh, "Peter, you were quoted as saying in a recent interview that the characters in season six will deserve what they get. That's that's serious. Is there any way you could or uh, would elaborate on that for her?" I, you know, that's a good, 
I don't know that that's true. I don't know. I may have said it. Just <laughs> you might have been lying. I might have said it, but I think you, when I watch dra- a drama, especially one where I, the characters mean a lot to me, uh, I'm always thinking about what they deserve. And that's, you know, when something ends, people don't necessarily get what they deserve or what you feel that they've earned or, or uh, the, the moral scales are not always balanced. Uh, but you think about it, you can't help it. I mean, I think that's one of the things we watch drama for is to see, you know, different versions of justice, you know, to game out different, different things. I think it, I think human beings, morality is really important to people. People want to feel they want fairness. Uh, and usually the arguments we have are usually over what's fair. Uh, it's not usually, mostly, not always, but mostly what's fair. And uh, so, you know, that's something we think about uh, with the show and especially, you know, with where, where these characters are. Having said that, uh, there are characters who definitely don't deserve what happens to them yeah. in season six. I, I will say that they're not, this is, it's not a, uh, that we're not living in a morally balanced uni- universe where everybody gets what they deserve. No, uh, there's, there's a, uh, there's a lot of chaos and there's bad people there and there's uh, consequences to actions. And uh, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's how we tell a story. I, I agree. And this is an absolutely perfect uh, segue. So great question from Lisa. And a few minutes yeah. ago, you might've seen me reaching for a prop off the screen. The audience didn't see it, but I was reaching for Kim Wexler here. And I, to- I told you about this off the air. So uh, thanks to one of our new cats, we're new cat owners, Wendy decapitated Kim Wexler. And uh, you can see it's a Franken Wexler now. I'll show, show, show the audience here as well. I'll show you on the other camera. There's the right there. So she is, she's she been decapitated. I had to reattach her head. So this goes in and it fell and it broke. And I, as soon as I heard it hit the floor, I was like, oh, oh no, no. But, and I mean, th- this is, uh, you know about these. You have these. These are from uh, Royal Bobbles and Bobbleheads.com. We're working closely with them. But Arabella says this, so it's a great segue. And she says, two questions. And and here again, too, we never ask for spoilers, and I know you can't and won't give them, and we're not asking for that anyways. But she says, two questions without any spoilers, just a yes or no question. Have you decided the fate of Kim Wexler yet? Okay, and you can think about that, and that's an easy one to remember. And the second part of her question says, how accurate, you talked about law firms, how accurate is a description of what happens in the law firms of the show? At Davis and Maine, for example, Jimmy almost gets fired because of the commercial. Do these things really happen? So the fate of Kim has it been decided and then maybe the accuracy of the law firms. Well, uh, I'll go, uh, I'll, I'll reverse order. Okay. I'll good, good, good. Law firm. I, I've never worked in a law firm. Uh, but what I hear from lawyers is that what we portray is pretty close to reality. Uh, it's always, there's always dramatic license, but the truth is that there's all kinds of lawyers there's all kinds of judges. Uh, you know, it's a very, it's a big world. And so I don't think every, I, I think the things that we've shown are all things that certainly could happen in the course of, uh, in the course of everyday business, especially the ones that uh, concern Kim. And as for Kim's fate, I, you know, yeah, I have to say, I think, I think we're, I think we're, we, we have a pretty good grasp of that. Uh, we've been, in the writer's room on zoom for a long time at this point. And we are deep into, uh, into the, uh, 
the end of the season, really. We're into the series we're uh, we're working on right now. So uh, not to say it's we're not on the last episode, but you know, we seeing the uh, the light at the end of the tunnel, if that if that's the right way to put it, um, and that's you know very emotional because at some point, you know, at some point the writer's room will close and, and that'll be it. Mm-hmm. You know, that'll be it for, you know, something that's been going on for those of us who in, inside, you know, since what, 2007. Uh, so it's, it's been, it's, it's going to be a big, big moment when we close the writer's room, it'll be even bigger moment when we uh, wrap, wrap the season and, and finish cutting it. So it's, but that's all quite a ways off. But having said that, yeah, we we sure talk about Kim an awful lot. Well, if anything bad happens, God forbid, it's not my fault. There's no voodoo doll. This wasn't a voodoo doll. It's the cat <laughs> knocked over my bobblehead. Please don't unsubscribe for me. I had no knowledge. It's not one of those things. Yeah, I mean, just think how weird it must be to be an actor and have all these uh, figurines of yourself. I know. You know? Right. It's, it's, you know what it must have been like for William. Sh- I, mean, I would love to know what William Shatner thought when he found out that uh, that, that isn't it, isn't it, uh, from uh, Halloween. Yes. The character in Halloween is wearing a, a William Shatner mask spray painted white. Well, how did he feel about that? You know, once you put your image out in the world that way. Uh, in some ways, you lose control of it, and that must be a very strange feeling. Yeah, it's like, it's like you know the the prop department go to the go to the local dollar store and grab a mask, and it just happens to be Mike, you know, uh, uh, Captain Kirk, basically, right? Yes, yes, hilarious. Uh, so we talked about Rogava, the artist here earlier, and he has a question. He says, uh, "Gus hides in plain sight. Nacho wouldn't squash a bug with a sledgehammer. What are what are some other one liners that beautiful that beautifully describe characters that have inspired writers?" Oh boy, I had gee. I don't that's a great question. I don't think I've got a good answer for that. Uh, you know, Jimmy, I think we we always say about Jimmy that he he can't help seeing the shortest this shortest distance between two points. Mm-hmm. That that is uh his blessing and his curse. He can always find a way a, a shortcut uh, that may or may not be legitimate. So that's that's one that's certainly one. Uh, you know, Mike, Mike is, is, uh, Mike is a guy who does not, uh, does not expend any extra energy at anything he doesn't think matters to him. And, and so he's, he's, oh, there's, he's very economical in his, in his words and in his movements. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a great question. I don't think we have, we probably do have more than I can think of offhand. Uh, but the, you know, for us, these are, these are like, I mean, these are real people. That's, I know that sounds that sounds funny, and I think it's true for the actors too. Uh, in some ways, these are real people, and you can't always sum up a person. You can sum up an aspect of a person, but you can't sum up the entirety of a person in a, in a, in a phrase. Yeah, no, I, I I get that one hundred percent. A good question from Harini says: Outside the Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul universe, which movie or TV show? character do you think follows a similar character arc as walter white there's a good one i don't know that's tough this is a great you know walter with a decline and fall well it seems shakespearean you know it, it really does i mean I, I i think it i you know not to not to not to compare compare us to shakespeare but you know that you know it's it's there's a a greek 
there's a quality of Greek tragedy uh, to, to Walter White and a, a Shakespearean tragedy. I don't know that that's a, that's an interesting question. He certainly is, uh, you know, there's a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde quality to him. Uh, you know, we always used to talk about going from Mr. Chips to Scarface, which was the, that was um, Vince's pitch for the show, mm -hmm. uh, taking character from Mr. Chips to Scarface. The truth is that in most drama, you don't have time to take a character uh, through such a long journey. Um, you know, it's an interesting, you know, we were talking about Stephen King earlier uh, and, and his objection to, one of his objections to the uh, Kubrick version of The Shining is that in King's eyes, uh, Jack Torrance starts out crazy. Uh, he's, already, he's already the man he's going to become. He doesn't decline. Uh, but I can see why Kubrick made that choice because there's, you know, when you're dealing in 90 minutes or two hours, uh, you know, how much, how much of a distance can you take a character? It's one of the amazing thing about, things about doing a, a show that encompasses, you know, 60 some odd episodes is that, you know, you have the, the time to have these characters change step by step. And like, re, you know, just like with real people, uh, they change uh, in such tiny increments that maybe you don't notice it right away. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, then you put two scenes next to each other and say, I mean, this is one of the things that we talk about a lot is, you know, would the Jimmy, what would the Jimmy of season one or two do right now? Um, and how is he different now? And he, cause he is, he is a, a very different guy. And Kim Wexler uh, has certainly shown a different side of herself too. So I'm not answering a question at all. I refuse. <laughs> it's okay. It's all good. It's all good. Um, Fernando, I got, I got her, uh, her uh, Fernando says Walter started with uh, gray matter and then he worked at, uh, uh, at the laboratories. What did he end up? Oh, I, I just skipped one second. Why did he end up working at a school surrounded by students instead of in a team of chemists like himself? Yeah, that's what a great question. Yeah. Uh, you know, th this was, it's, it's very interesting how um, Vince works. And I, I guess, I guess I, I learned to do, do this from him. Um, in the pilot of Breaking Bad, there's a scene where uh, Walter White gets up in the morning, he's coughing, and he gets on this little stair stepper. This is the pilot. This is within the first 20 minutes of this 60-some-odd-odd story. And there's a shot that says Walter White contributed to work that won the Nobel Prize. I think, I think that's what it says. And we kept on asking ourselves, you know, what does that mean? How did that happen? And how did it happen that uh, ex exactly the question you just asked is how did, how did a guy who had so much talent and, and so much drive and uh, such brains, how did he end up doing something that seems, um, you know, less, it's like he's hiding his light in a bushel. And I, I mean, I think what we real we did have a whole story. And by the way, you know, you could make a whole movie. Out of, out of some of this stuff, because we, we the, the relationship between Walt and Elliot and Gretchen uh, is something that we thought about a lot and how, how basically they, they started off and Elliot and Walt were friends and Gretchen, Gretchen and Walt were an item. And then Walt, um, it, Walt for various reasons, they broke up and now it was in Elliot and Gretchen. It was Elliot and Gretchen. And uh, it was really because of Walt's ego. It's, it's, it, I think it, it boils down to, uh, in a weird way, his ego got in his, 
just kept getting in his way. And uh, I think you, you, you see that a little bit. There's a, there's a flashback scene where Walt is uh, Walt and Skyler are touring the house. Yes. That they're, that they, that they're there and it's empty and there's a re- real, real that are showing it. And uh, he just, this is not right for us. Maybe, maybe for, Oh, maybe for now, maybe for now. And, you know, just like so many lessons or so many things in life, I think he probably took the high school. I, my version would be he probably took the high school teaching job as a stopgap and just kind of settled in. It kind of settled in and it was it was comfortable for him. Yeah. In some way. Kind of a get me by. Maybe he liked the idea that the world wasn't recognizing his genius. Uh, and But there's, you know, a lot of anger there. And he's a complicated guy. And you could. You could make a whole other TV show, several of them, out of out of all the pitches we had for things that you didn't see on t- on on the screen. I think though it's good. I have to say, I think it's good. So I, I love that you're asking the question because it means you're thinking about the characters and they're alive inside your head. And I think it's good to have not answer every single question. Mm-hmm. I, I I think it's 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 more it's more provocative. Uh, if not every question is answered, you and it's it's you know that's where the art of it is because at a certain point it's just frustrating. Why is someone like the way they are? But then you can also you know you can ask questions like you know where are the grandparents? Yeah, exactly. uh, <laughs> and so you know there's and maybe you want that answer. Maybe maybe it doesn't matter. So uh, anyway, that's that's a that's a lot of words that sort of might answer the question. That's okay. I don't know. It's like watching Max and Ruby, the cartoon, like why are these kids alone all the time? Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Sometimes you just don't need to know. Like, I mean, we want to know backstory, like what's happening with Gus, you know, sometimes it's more left to the imagination. Um, before I jump into the next question, here's a super chat question from, uh, is it Reynolds, uh, says what, the, and this is great. Uh, we had Jenny on the show, I think, uh, two episodes back or last episode, I forget. Oh, really? she, yeah, she was great. Um, and so this is, uh, her episode, I believe lantern, uh, co uh, co-written with you, right? Um, oh, no, I think she, she wrote it and I directed it. Okay. Wow. She, so she, she, I, cause she, she was giving you lots of props cause co-writing. I don't remember. Maybe I remember it wrong. Well, that's I the thing too. That, she wrote that, and I directed it. Uh, that's that's how I remember. Well, she, this is one thing she said as well, too, um, that, which is great. And, you know, sometimes people say, well, whose idea was it for this? And sometimes all of you guys forget because it's there's such a teamwork in the in the writer's room that, you know, these ideas come up all the time. And sometimes mm-hmm. someone just gets credit for it. But that's it's a great uh, team effort. But so the question was from Reynolds, what were the challenges in directing Lantern? Oh, my God, there were there were infinite. <laughs> yeah, there were infinite number of challenges for that. Um, you know, I think the um, gee, I, you know, the, there was there there was uh, the you know, there was the destruction of of um, Chuck, both his you know the destruction of his house and and the taking apart of Chuck McGill, who starts the episode in a suit at a conference table. And ends in the wreckage of his own home, um, suicidal. And so tracking that and trying to understand that and having, um, having that come through was a challenge. But on the other hand, you know, working with this great script that Jenny wrote and working with Michael McKeon, uh, you know, who is, you know, just a brilliant, brilliant guy. And also Bob. Um, you know, who also made tremendous contributions to that episode. I, I think the, for me, directing is just always a challenge 
just to begin with. Mm -hmm. And, and the, uh, the, the, one of the biggest challenges is you picture it very clearly in your head and then the world presents you with something different from what you pictured. And you have to figure out whether quick, very quickly, you have to figure out whether that's the differences are a problem or whether they're uh, a boon uh, and often they're a boon, especially the differences that are brought by the actors. But then sometimes uh, physically things just don't work out the way you want. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, that was a, it, it was, it was a big, big episode for me to direct. I I'm really proud of it. I, I, I thought it came out. I thought it came out. Uh, I think there's some of the best directing I've ever done in, in that particular episode. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, was uh the, the challenge for me directing the challenge is, is uh, to have enough energy to keep doing it because yeah. I don't really, I don't really sleep when I direct. Okay. Cause I'm so, I'm so wired through adrenaline. So uh, it's just, it's just, it's more of a, uh, it's a marathon. Uh, and that's that, but that one was, uh, that one really was fun. And, and uh, I, I'm proud of how proud of how it came out. Well, the actually next- the biggest challenge, I'll tell you the biggest challenge because Jenny and I, she'll hate me for saying this. She, uh, for good and for good reasons, she couldn't be there for the whole the whole shoot. And I, boy, as soon as she left, I missed her. I love as a director. I not every director feels this way. I love having a writer on the set uh, because they, the writer having the writer there can help you coordinate the, the what what are the changes that we just made. What are the, how do they ripple through the whole episode? Because you're always making. Uh, they're making changes, small marge all the way through, and you just can't help it. Uh, and so the, having her there was great. I, I, I was very sorry. I was very sorry when she had to leave at a certain point, although I don't blame her in the least. I think it was, she had good reasons and we all understood it. I just, I just loved working with her and I'm sorry. She, I'm sorry. She left the show. I'm, I'm very, I'm, but I'm, I'm very happy that she's uh, doing great and working, uh, working on Lord of the Rings. I can't wait yes, to see it. Yes, I know. Right. A while back, we had just before her, probably about four episodes prior to her, we had Ms. Marion on the show, and boy, was she a fan favorite. And she uh, and we've become really good friends since we talk a lot. And she she sent in a couple of notes. She says, "Here, make sure you mention this and the fact that you know uh, one of the things we I, I, she forwarded me to ask is, you know, uh, can you give some tips on being uh, the, the the valuable writer on set? Because just like you said, so important to have her there. And uh, she praised her on the ability to be on set and to to deliver what they need to do on set. So that was fantastic. A pleasure to have her on the show as well too. Um, a good question coming in from Bob. Uh, Bob says, "Hi, Peter. The cast and crew from Better Call Saul always." say they love working on the show um how how do you maintain such a warm and enjoyable environment for everyone despite the deadlines and pressures uh you know uh i think it's i don't know i i love that's a wonderful thing to say i i hope we do that it's uh i hope we maintain a, a good upbeat humane environment uh you know it's 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 a different phases have different challenges uh you know in the writer's room uh i'm there pretty much every day so it's 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 on it's on us as a group to stay focused and, and positive and to be open to whatever ideas uh whatever ideas are floating out there on the set sometimes i'm on the set and sometimes i'm not so a lot of it is due to um our wonderful producers who are in albuquerque uh led by melissa bernstein who's been you know, with both shows from the beginning and is, is uh, brilliant uh, and a calm 
a calm brilliance. And also, uh, you know, you know, something you can't, it's interesting because, you know, the actors in television have a lot of responsibility, especially when you look at the top of the call sheet and, you know, you see a lead, the leadership uh, that comes from, you know, Bob and Jonathan and Ray, uh, I, I, the humanity, you know, the, the pleasure that they take in the work, but also the, the pleasure, you know, the fact that they care about the people who are, they're working with, I think makes a huge difference. And so I think we're, we've got a cast that's not only very, very talented, but they're also genuinely nice people. And uh, I have to say, I think that, you know, there's an old saying, I think the, uh, the drama belongs in front of the camera, not behind it. And we, we, we try as much as possible to adhere to that and, and to keep, keep our eyes on the prize. And, and uh, we're very, very, and then in post, a post-production, which is, you know, just as important. It's not something that gets talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just as important as, as pre-production, which is, includes the writing that uh, we have a Diane Mercer is our producer uh, in that area. And she works with, you know, Chris McCaleb and, and Skip McDonald, who are our editors. And all of them have these very even tempered um, personalities. I think the other thing that I'll tell you what I, one of the things I'm most proud of is that we, we promote from within. Uh, and I think that that makes a, uh, that I think it means a lot when people see that there's uh, an opportunity to move up. Uh, so that, you know, we've had, oh, I can't tell you how many people we have. A, Mark Hansen is our prop master. And I can't tell you how many people we've lifted out of the props department uh, lifted because they're very important. But who moved on, moved out of the props department, for instance, Trina Slopey, who is one of our producers, was until uh, season until season five was in the props department. Wow! Um, and so I think it means a lot for people to see. And Gordon Smith, um, Jenny Hutchson, uh, Heather, uh, Ara Levine, all all were writers assistants and then became uh, writers and then um, producers. So I think that's that's something that means a lot to people to see uh, that there's a way up and to see that you know. The, the hard work and, and uh, hard work is, uh, is, is, is rewarded. So that's, 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 I think maybe that's the most important thing. I, and that's something I really, I, I, I think I, I saw that in Vince and Melissa, the way they ran Breaking Bad from day one. And it's, it's something hopefully we've carried on all the way through Saul. And look at look at the, the the episodes that everyone you just mentioned wrote. I mean, just so many, so many good ones. I mean, yes. fan favorites for sure. Here it says super chat from Saul Goodman Twitter, and another one from Reynolds. And I'm going to come back to a question from Nat Romero. Uh, so Saul, if I go back and find that one, uh, Saul says, uh, "Was Half Measures one of the coldest sets to shoot and also rest up after season six? Because we fans need more spinoff. So many possibilities." Ah, uh, spinoffs. Um. Spinoffs and spinoffs. Uh, yeah, half measures was that what you know? It's that was very cold, uh, especially the night. I don't know if you remember. There's a scene where Jesse's decided to shoot these two guys who've uh, yeah, murder a child, um, and he's 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 going to he's just going to he doesn't care about Gus Fring or anything else. He's just going to go and, and and pop these two guys because he hates them, even though they are under Fring's. Fring's protection and uh, Walt 
is one of my favorite endings of any of the episodes we did. Uh, Walt suddenly Walt, Jesse's walking over there. He's got his gun in his hand and the two guys are starting to notice him. And these are two big, scary drug dealers. And then pow, right from off screen comes Walt in his Aztec who plows through these two guys. Walt gets out of his car, gets out of the Aztec, grabs one of the guns and shoots the survivor in the head. And then he turns to Jesse and says, run. And uh, that was uh, directed by Adam Bernstein. That, that episode was directed by Adam Bernstein, who's brilliant. I got to write, I think I, I think I wrote that one with Sam Catlin. I think I wrote the scene that I just, I think I managed to wheedle, wheedle my way into writing the scene that I just described. Oh, that's cool. And that night was just so cold. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have to say, I really respect people who, um, spend their lives working outdoors. Uh, it's just, it's, I mean, you think about people who are certainly on movie crews, but I mean, you think about, you know, telephone people, telephone people who work on the telephone wires or electrical wires or any kind of infrastructure uh, who are outdoors all, all day working. It, that is tough. And I am, you know, a writer with soft hands. Yeah. Uh, so, so I'm not used to, I'm not used to that. And I, I that was, that was cold. That was very cold. Albuquerque can get very cold, uh, but it, I think the results are. Uh, Albuquerque is also wonderful. I think the results are were worth it. I I can appreciate it. I was a cable guy in in Canada in the Canadian winters oh. at one time, up on the forty five wow. feet up there in the ladder, and a freezing. Oh, I was like cursing and swearing. You you you. Oh, I hated it. You know, crawling under crawl spaces first thing in the morning. So. You know, I, I don't I don't have no problem putting some oil over LA in my hands and typing on a keyboard. You know, I had great respect. That's real. That's real work. And, you know, I, yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah. To, uh, I, I'm trying really hard to get to Nat's questions coming up right next. Uh, but there's another super chat here from Reynolds again says, uh, did you have a backstory in mind when you first wrote the character of Saul Goodman? If so, how close was it to what you guys eventually came up with? No. I'll answer that very quickly. We had no backstory for Saul Goodman. Uh, when he appeared on Breaking Bad, he was just a sleazy fun lawyer. Uh, that was that was that was the idea. And he was uh, maybe a little bit bigger than life. Uh, and that was I, I think the bigger than life part uh, was really Vince. Um, okay. I, I think I, I, I had I, I think none of us. I'll speak for my, I, 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 maybe none of us, but I personally didn't completely understand the world that Vince was uh, leading us to uh, because I, I, I was very concerned that Saul would be, uh, you know, he's going to be too ridiculous yeah. for the world. This very it, breaking bad, breaking bad, I think really was uh, had a special, I don't want to say it's unique, but had a very different formula or a different um, tone from most, especially most dramas at that time. And that it was, it, it would veer from very dire, dire, a drama and, and, and action into, into kind of outrageous comedy. And I didn't really understand the combination. Uh, and I, frankly, I don't think a lot of other people did too. And there were, there were actually some questions about whether Saul belonged on the show, not just for me. Uh, and so I was a little bit stressed about it. And Bob came in and even with the crazy suits and the crazy, uh, the crazy office, he brought 
some kind of, there's some kind of uh, humanity, even in those very fir first few scenes that you see in this guy that I think was, was even more Bob, as much Bob's performance as, as what was on the page. And the moment I always think about is there's a moment he, pretty early when you see him, uh, he walks in, he kicks a cop. The cop is, is, is questioning Badger and he kicks the guy out and he says, get out of here, baby face, go get a juice box. <laughs> and um, he kicks the cop out. And there's this little moment where Bob goes, Whew, and he kind of, you see that he's putting on an act yeah. and he's not always sure it's going to work. And uh, that was, that was one of the moments where I thought, oh, well, you know, this could really work. This, this could be pretty cool. The backstory for Saul didn't really come until uh, Better Call Saul. And we spent probably the first month or two uh, uh, in the Better Call Saul writer's room. And what a privilege it was to get to do this. Just talking about who this guy was, where he was from, what his life was. Uh, and some of the ideas ended up on the show. Some of them we changed. But we went through different phases of his life. And the question kept up, well, where do we start? Where, where does this show start? And we realized that at a certain point, um, he'd be working out of a nail salon after, you know, after he leaves the, after he gets his law license and, and leaves uh, HHM. And we said, well, let's start in the, the nail salon years. And that was, uh, so we, we knew about his brother and we had a feeling about their relationship. Although no, actually that's not true. We thought Chuck was like a burden. Oh. Uh, it was just kind of a, he was kind of a brainiac who was a burden on a, a helpless, kind of a helpless brainiac. Uh, and we didn't realize who Chuck was until, until we started watching, watching uh, Michael McKean, what Michael McKean was doing with the material. Uh, again, this is a great thing about television and about series television. Uh, so that, yeah, I, th I think that the backstory all came much, much later. He was just, he was kind of comic relief and he was a very useful character. We loved him, but it, it's, um, yeah, sometimes the images come first and the, the backstory comes later. Yeah, yeah. And this, they've become this couple now, Kim and Jimmy. I mean, it's, uh, you know, the Hollywood love couple. Everyone loves, you know, and hates to see anything happen to them. And we know that something does, but it's, it's uh, we'll have to wait and see. Another super chat, and I promise I'm coming to Nat's question. Uh, Shashank says, uh, as creators of the show, do you actively seek critical appreciation or do you believe in disassociating yourself from the attention to focus on the show? Obviously, with awards and things of that nature, and you know, and sometimes the show's been uh, overlooked, but it is what it is. But do you uh, maybe with his question there? What a great! Uh, I want to not pay any attention to it. I think it would the healthiest thing is not to pay any attention to it. And in fact, in some ways, accolades are great. I'm just talking about psychology here. Uh, my psychology, personally, mm -hmm. the accolades are great. But I feel like if I spend if I read too many reviews, it just gets into my head. And, and I, I think we have to kind of, I think we have to kind of play the game that, that we, uh, that we've set up and not, not, not veer because of something somebody said. And the other thing about praise, which by the way, I love, I, you know, I love praise. Um, I just, I try not to get too deep into it because I think uh, then, you know, you, it's, it's a weird thing about human psychology, uh, which is that, you know, you, you remember, you remember the disses more than the praise. And so if you, if you put too much, if too much, um, 
too much weight into that. Uh, it, it can, it can mess you up. But having said all that, um, I, I have seen, you know, that we're on all these nice lists at the end of the year. I mean, uh, from, from great publications like, you know, the New York times and Rolling time Stone. magazine and TV guide and all, all these great publications, entertainment weekly and Rolling Stone. And it was just, it's, and it's delightful. And now, you know, Barack Obama. So I, I'm going to just, I'm going to, I'm going to take all this. I'm going to laminate it in my heart and keep it in, uh, for a day when I really need it. Uh, yeah. when things are looking bad because it, it is wonderful. And, uh, uh, but having said all that, we, you know, it's I, I, the best thing of all is that we get to do the show. And that's the, to me, that's the great reward is to get to do this. Cause it's, it's such a privilege to, um, to get to do, to tell a story with, uh, with all these great people and, and have people watch it. it. I mean, it's a big deal. It's wonderful. It's, and by the way, to make a living as doing, doing something like that is, I mean, it's extraordinary. What a, I mean, that is, that is, that's, like the ultimate privilege. And I say that coming from a bunch of a, a family full of frustrated artists uh, who, who did not make a living in art. Uh, the fact that I get to do this and, and make a living at it is, is, I mean, it's incredible. Yes. I agree. Icing on the cake of just, <laughs> you get a paycheck on top of all of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm very happy for you and I'm very proud of the entire team. So enjoy it and, and soak it in on a rainy day when you need it. It's there for you. So here's a question. Nat's been very patient for her question. She And she's got a few, but I'm only going to be able to ask one. I'm sorry because we're running out of time. First of all, thank you for so much for working so hard on the shows for all the attention to detail that makes them worth watching over and over. Um, of, of all the episodes that you wrote, which one are you most proud of and which episode would you have liked to have written? That's a good question. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> gee, what am I, which one am I most proud of? I, that's a, hmm, it's very, that's a big question. I don't know that I have one that I'm most proud of. There are a bunch that I'd like to have written. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I, not that I could have written them the way they were written, but I would have loved to have written, you know, on, on certainly on, uh, on this show, I would have loved to have written, uh, Tom Schnauz's episode in in uh, in season one, where Chuck Chuck tells Jimmy the truth about how he feels about him. I would have loved to have written uh, the the great courtroom episode. I couldn't have done it uh, that, that Gordon Smith wrote in season season three. Uh, you know, it's it, all of the, you know. It's, there's always scenes that I get jealous of, and uh, certainly. I, I, I used to feel that more, I think, on Breaking Bad because it always seemed that George Masteris uh, would get all the big, big, juicy action scenes. Uh, and then, you know, Jenny and I would be mopping up after him. Uh, so <laughs> now that's that's how it felt at the time. But now I realize that uh, every single one of these episodes is a unique, unique animal. And uh, they all have they all they all have a function uh, in, in the body of the, of the show. Uh, although obviously some, you know, some people, you know, some of them, I mean, you know, some of them are, uh, you know, extraordinary, but the kind of the extraordinary moments really rely, uh, on everything around them. And so I, I don't, uh, I, gee, which one am I most proud of having written? Hmm. I, I, boy, that's a good question. I can think of moments. I can certainly think of moments that I'm most proud of. I think there was a, um, 
so many, you know, I think going back to Breaking Bad, the, uh, the confrontation between Walt and Hank, uh, when, uh, in, in the episode Blood Money, mm-hmm. uh, I think that, I was very proud. I was very proud of that. Uh, uh, but I, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know that I have, I don't know that I have, uh, special favorites like that. I'd really have to think about it. It's like picking a favorite child. It's, it's so hard, right? I think though, if you had a bunch of children in their heart, you'd know who your favorite child was. Yeah, yeah. And you'd try to resist it. For me, I, I, I'm mostly focused on what happened, what I'm doing next, rather than what I did before. So I'm not. I don't really think about. I think about moments that I'm really proud of, or things that I think really worked. And then I also think about things that you know, gee, I wish that could have been better. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. This is a good. I really liked episode 209. That was a good. That was one I was that I wrote and directed. And I, I thought that one came out really well. Uh, but um, yeah, I'm sorry. No good answer. To no, that's so. okay. No, that's, any answer is a good answer. That's, that's good for sure. And speaking of children, my son, Eric Jr. is here as well too. He's a massive fan of yours and he's checking in and wanted to say hi. Um, hi, Eric Jr. And we have another super chat question. And uh, if I'm pronouncing this right, I'm the worst. I'm Ron Burgundy when it comes to uh, te- teleprompters and things put in front of me. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. I believe this is Erie Afro says any thoughts about the directors of the final season who are you who do you do who uh do you aspire to work with and bravo mr gould oh thank you for the bravo um well i don't want to say any names in particular Mm -hmm. but we're hoping to get you know some of our favorites there there are some people who are really key to uh, both shows breaking bad and better call saul who we'd love to have back um it's 13 episodes and you know, we're, there are a lot of them are being directed in house. So there's not that many open slots. Uh, but you know, and they're also, you know, directors, you know, I could, I could imagine uh, coming in and doing a fantastic job, but I think we're hoping to get some, uh, some folks uh, cause it's kind of a, you know, it's the final lap mm-hmm. uh, in Albuquerque. You know, we've been uh, working at Q studios since the, you know, the paint was still drying on the studio, studio walls when we started. And uh, now it's a huge go ongoing concern. So yeah, we're, we're going to, I'm hoping we'll get um, uh, some of, some of our, all, all your, I'm hoping all your favorites are back. Let's put it that That's way. That's great. That's great. I'm going to, I'm going to be selfish for one quick second. I'm just going to ask one of my questions and, and I'm going to be very fast with it. Um, where was I going with this? And I lost my train of thought. Yes. When when Gord was on the show, uh, we kind of hinted at a question, and again, you don't have to say, say anything you can't, but we talked about the possibility of a uh, all-gene episode. Is there is it something you'd like to see? Is there something you can comment on an all-gene episode? I love gene. I'm, I'd like to know more about gene. I'd be interested in that. Yeah, cool. Okay, that's good. We'll take it with that. I'm going backwards in the chat, and I do apologize. There's so many great questions that come in, and 60 minutes just flies so fast. Uh, this is from um, this is from Price of Reason has a great YouTube channel. How quickly after you cast Bob in the role of Saul did you know that you wanted to make a spinoff? Was it initially the sitcom as you kind of uh, he's heard in rumors? So yeah, that was there's a lot of talk about that. It was a joke, you know. The, I think it was a joke. Because a pretty soon after Saul came into Breaking Bad, I think it was probably you know, season three, probably Vince would start saying, you know, well, you know, maybe we could do a spinoff with Saul Goodman. And, and I, I think it was uh, I, I took it as a joke. Maybe it was kind of. Uh, and sometimes we would pitch an idea that was too funny 
for Breaking Bad or Off the Wall. And we said, well, we'll put that into the uh, Saul Goodman show. Uh, but it seemed, you know, I've said this before, it seemed too good to be true. So I really wasn't, I didn't think it was a, it was a real, uh, it would be something real until, you know, we were winding out down Breaking Bad and Vince and I started talking and getting excited about some idea uh, of Saul Goodman. And, you know, this is, this is what we ended up with. We're happy. We're happy. Here's the last question probably for the evening. Uh, this is from Elizabeth. Uh, it says, in the hospital, in, in, in smoke, uh, Gene's driver's license number and all the other info on the hospital computer screen was fun. Any chance we find out Gene's street address in the last season? Well, street addresses are tricky, you right. know, because, uh, you, know, you know, you don't want to ruin anybody's life. No. <laughs> Inadvert- inadvertently, we've already had, you know, we've already had our experience experiences with uh, uh folks you know throwing pizzas on the roof of Fran's house which don't do it it's no. not fun no uh so uh yeah street addresses are, are tricky I remember looking up you know Lucy and Ricky's address in New York and it was I think it was in the East River uh so we'll we'll see we'll see we might we might get to see his street address you you might there are all kinds of things you could learn about Gene he's kind of he's sort of a fascinating character and it's so neat seeing some of the behind the scenes stuff when we get to see some of the, the stills in color, right? You know, we see yeah. that. It's like, it just seems yes. so weird, right? Yeah, it doesn't seem right. The black and white, really, it, it, it is, it is, we're not the first ones to shoot in black and white, but there's something uh, fascinating about it. And it, it certainly uh, gives, gives the gene sequences uh, a different feel. Yeah, soulless, empty, you know, a shell, shell of a man. Yeah, for sure. Well, listen, I'm going to apologize to everybody for we didn't get a chance to ask all the questions, but Peter, what a way to end uh, kind of a miserable year. But uh, thanks to you and inspiring this show, and thanks a big thanks to Tom Schnauz and his lovely family uh, for helping launch this as well, too. You've been here twice. I can't thank you enough, and I know the fans are very appreciative of what you've inspired us to do here. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for – thank you. Have a so glad you're, you're you're staying safe in this this crazy year, and uh, uh, thank you guys for waiting because it's going to be a long wait between season a lot longer wait than we wanted between yeah. seasons five and six. Uh, but but I I I I really think we're going to bring you something that that you that is worth your time uh, for season six. So, uh, but thanks for all these were really good questions too. You really made me think. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's good. Oh, Excellent. Here's one. You can't go away without answering this. And this is a Tom Schnauz thing. He started this. Blame him. What does it smell like in the Gilliverse? We get into the rocket ship every Friday night. We blast off into the Gilliverse. What does it smell like once we get in there? It's a two. It's a two thing answer. What's two this? thing answer. Yeah, what does it, it smell like? like? It's gun smoke and cinnabons. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. The cinnamon's a good one. I think they'll like that. The the correct answer, I, I need to get a buzzer. Bam, wrong. It's bacon and fear. <laughs> and Vince got bacon. Vince guessed bacon. And I forget what his other answer was. So, I mean, he was on the ball. And I, I tweeted today. I said, okay, Peter's responsible for this show. He's responsible for the name of the Inside the Gillivers. Let's see how much he knows. So, bacon and fear is uh and you should have heard the the uh the Salamanca I like my I like my version just as much. I like I'm, it too. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Maybe bacon and fear is part of, you know so one end of the Gilliverse and yeah. You know, 
Anyway, there you go. That's right. Just before we go, some people I'd like to thank as well, too. Obviously, first and foremost, you. I want to thank uh, Joanna, your assistant. We've become good friends as well, too. We're going to do a Zoom call, her and I, just to get off air, just to kind of chat and, you know, th- say I want to thank her. And she's, she's been become a great friend, awesome person. Uh, I want to thank my beautiful Sandra Lee. Uh, she runs a chat here. She's got several moderators as well, too. Leanne and, and Mark, they, they help us make these chats go so very, very smooth. I want to thank, thank all of our the people that you see in the chat. They have a special color to their names. They're members. You can join our channel by uh, uh, youtube.com slash Network slash join. You can do that. There's a button down below. Our Patreon supporters, uh, the people that buy our merchandise at Broadstash Boutique can grab the stuff that I'm wearing, the mugs, hats, all that kind of cool stuff. And just to thank you for you, the viewers, for making uh, 2020 a year that was kind of, well, it's not kind of bad. It really sucked, but it made it a little bit more enjoyable by hanging out together. The Gilliverse family has become a wonderful, wonderful bunch. And we also invite you to come back again uh, this Wednesday for the final show. The fi- It's a Wednesday show. We've got Mark Margolis who plays, you know, everyone's favorite or not so favorite, Hector Salamanca. We're looking forward to that. And uh, did you did you say, as we close, we're just a bit, bit over time. Did you say you had a funny story about Mark? Well, you know, there's a lot of funny stories about Mark. Mark, Mark you will love uh, talking to Mark. He is a raconteur and he's nothing but great stories. But I will tell you how he got cast on Breaking Bad. Okay. Was that we were talking about this character. It was uh, season two. This character, uh, Tio, Hector. Uh, and and we were talking about uh, who was who our prototype. And I think Vince said there, you know, there was this Mexican assassin in Scarface. I wonder if we could get that guy. And I, I, somebody said, maybe he doesn't even speak English. You know, I wonder if this is a Mexican actor, you know, may, is he even in the U.S.? And of course, he turns out to be Mark Margolis uh, from Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, and and he is he's such a great actor. And we but, you know, we all remembered him from Scarface. And boy, uh, now I remember him from so many things. He is he is a he's a fantastic actor. And uh, I think you'll you know, he's, uh, Ace Ventura Pet Detective. I know I, with landlord. You could you could just do it inside inside the Margolaverse. I know uh, you could do a whole show. His IMDb uh, scrolls like this. Yeah, he's and and he's also a director and a writer, and he's he's uh, he's done all kinds of theater, and, and he's he is a he is a remarkable guy, and uh, you'll really have fun talking. I'm looking forward to it. And one of the things I want to come at him on a different angle is, uh, sadly, you know, a lot of our favorite actors we we look up to all the time, like, you know, the Arnold Schwarzeneggers gets, you know, the the, the action action roles. They get typecast, and that's all they, the people think they do. And in a lot of cases, that all, is all they do. And Mark gets typecast as a guy that only plays bad guys. And, and I think sometimes that bothers him. He gets asked so many times about the bad guy roles, and I want to talk about that gentle side he's done as well. He's even done daytime soaps. You know, so I'm looking forward to exploring that angle and maybe warming up with them that way as a, as opposed to the typical. Do you remember when you're in the right. Beatles, you know, like Chris Farley asking <laughs> Paul McCartney? Ah, right? Exactly. A great idea. Well, yeah. you're a great interviewer, Eric, and you've got, you got an audience who ask great, uh, intelligent questions. So I think I, I don't think you're going to have any trouble. Thank you. They make me look very good. So thank you, audience. Thank you. Peter, I'm going to say goodbye to you off the air, so don't go away. And everyone, uh, we will be back one more time, and it'll be my post-birthday with Mark Margolis, Hector Salamanca on Wednesday. So be sure to check that out. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone in the chat. You've been fantastic. And those of you that are watching this video uh, live right now or replay, thank you as well. Look forward to seeing you Wednesday. And until next time, be safe, please, and cheers. 
again for tuning into Inside the Gilliverse with Eric Broadbent. Be sure to check back each week for more great discussions and interviews with cast and crew from Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. 